0: So, will you take out your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Matthew chapter six? Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six, verse sixteen through eighteen. And our scriptures today are going to be talking about fasting. Um, But if I understand you correctly, uh, during adult Bible study, uh, you guys were talking about the providence of God. Or at least Tony was sharing with us uh, about the providence of God. And just looking back today, if you can go through a fast or if you can practice any external righteousness and at the end of that fast or at the end of that external righteousness if your heart isn't singing any song, any hymn you've missed the whole point in other words if you could go through a fast or any external righteousness And you come out and you're not saying, in the cross alone I glory, nothing of my own to give. You've missed the point of that external righteousness. If you come out of your fast and you can't say, God, you're a good, good father. It's who you are and I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's all I am, God, loved by you. If you don't come out with that type of mindset, you've missed the whole point. And I brought up providence because I just learned that here in church, singing those songs. So let's dig into the word. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you may be seen So that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, help us enter into the text. Lord, help us search not only the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. Lord Jesus, help us see you in this text, so we may know how to live. In Christ's name, amen. Ever since we began chapter 6 of Matthew, as we've been making our way through this book, in chapter 6, we started, Jesus highlighted that he was going to start talking about external righteousness and how we practice it. Look at it, Matthew chapter 6 verse 1. Beware of practicing our righteousness before man to be noticed by them. Otherwise you have no reward with our Father who is in heaven. And I use the term our because I want us to understand that Jesus and these words are for us to reflect on the inside. It's not for us to listen to these words here and try to pick out who the hypocrites are. No, these words are meant for us to examine our own heart. I love the young people and they get it right when they say only God can judge. And these words of the scripture are God's words. And they're meant to judge our own hearts. And so in this example of practicing our righteousness, Jesus has called out three things to our attention. In the first section, verses 2 through 5, he talks about charitable giving or almsgiving, giving to the poor. And how we shouldn't do that to be seen by men. In verses six through 15, he talked about when we pray, how we shouldn't do that to be noticed by men. And lastly, here, his third example of external righteousness here is fasting. No doubt, these three things which Jesus explained and taught about were most common during this day and time. But the thing I want you to keep in the back of your mind or right off on the corner of your note sheet is what external righteousness are we practicing today that can fit into the spirit of the text? Those are the things we have to keep in mind. So here as we examine fasting close up, remember we got to keep in mind what other external righteousness that we may be practicing today today that we're practicing simply to be noticed by men. Fasting. Fasting defined. What is it? Fasting is simply the laying aside of something earthly or physical, usually food, in order to know God better, in order to know Jesus better. That's a simple working definition of fasting that I have at this current time. It's simply aside, when you lay aside something physical or earthly, it's usually food. It doesn't have to be. But in order to engage the spiritual, in order to know God better, the Bible calls out three types of fasting. Majority of the time that has to do with food. Um, the first one is the normal fast, which involves total abstinence from food, but not from water. We see that in Second Chronicles chapter 20 and in Ezra chapter 8. The Bible also gives us examples of an absolute fast where, we, where people have abstained both from food and water. We see that in Esther chapter 4. Acts chapter 9, and the Bible also calls out partial fasts, uh, where some portion of the diet is restricted from certain foods or drinks, and we see that in Daniel chapter 10. But no matter what type of fasting was done, it was all done If done rightly, to get to know God better and not to put on a show before man. Fasting is not a way to get God to do what we want. Fasting changes us. It does not change the unchangeable God. Fasting is not a way to appear more spiritual than others. Fasting, when done appropriate, is seeking after God's own heart. And fasting should never be separated from prayer or other types of worship and practical righteousness. It should never be. So it's no coincidence that God has brought us to this section of scripture and this time in our culture where many are uh, engaged in Lent and giving up some things. But we're going to see in the Lord's Prayer, we prayed and give thanks for our daily bread. But here in fasting, we're going to see, we lay aside the physical bread in order to be closer with the bread of heaven. In order to be closer with the bread of heaven. So let's look at the warning concerning fasting. Fasting, the warning concerning fasting. And whenever you fast, that implies that it's not done on a particular frequency unless you choose. Whenever you do it, how often you do it, whatever you fast from, Jesus is saying, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be Seen fasting by men. Here in this day and time and in this culture, it had become a practice as humbling yourself when you fast as a very gloomy and a very sorrowful outward appearance. And so many people had adopted that into the culture to be seen and to be noticed. The warning here is that if we fast to be noticed by man, we have our reward in full. We have our reward in full. So think about that. If we don't heed this warning and we're practicing our external righteousness to be noticed by man, we got our reward in full off the bat. Now I don't know about you guys, but I start to think about how I have been rewarded by man before. I started to think about different academic achievements I got as a young kid. Started thinking about different things I got on my job. And they don't stick with me. They don't stick with me. No rewards by man I can take before God and say, accept me. And so Jesus is pulling his audience on the scene to say, stop trying to be a man pleaser. Because it buys no favor with me. And this is something in our flesh all of us are going to consistently struggle with. Consistently struggle with. How do the rewards of this life compare with the rewards of eternity is one thing we need to keep in mind. We can fool each other a lot. But when it comes to eternity, we can't fool God. And so that was what was going on. We're familiar with this term hypocrites, as many of the other teachers before me have defined it, as just simply playing the faces, putting on a show, trying to put forth a foreign character, a character that's not true in your heart. So this is a heart question that each of us have to seek: How am I in my heart seeking approval from man? Here, Jesus is talking about fasting, but remember the greater content, context is talking about practicing our righteousness. How am I doing it to seek approval from man? And we have to stop it we have to stop it church and if we don't the reward we get from man will be just that but we won't get any reward from God we won't get any reward from God fasting in the scripture has been closely associated with repentance and forgiveness of sin and prayer Turn with me to Isaiah fifty eight that was read earlier. Isaiah fifty eight. Here in verse 3, the prophet asks a question that the people are thinking in their heart. And the question is, why have we fasted and thou dost not see? God, why have we fasted and you do not see? You see, this just wasn't a problem when Jesus came to earth. This was a problem some 400, 600 years ago. And it's some problem today that we're still going through. And so the prophet speaks plainly, and he speaks plainly and direct so that we can understand God is not pleased with this hypocritical behavior. And look at what they say, Lord, we've humbled ourselves, meaning we've humbled our soul and our spirit and our mind, and you take no notice. But yet, God, it seems as if you don't understand what we're doing. This was their questions, this was their heart back to God. God, we're doing all this stuff and it seems like you don't understand. Behold, the prophet comes back as he's speaking, thus says the word. He says, on the day of your fast, you find your desire. In other words, when we're fasting, we're looking to seek our pleasure. We're looking to seek our wishes. And then we really wonder why God takes no notice. Not only are we seeking our pleasure and our wishes and our own wishes, but also we're driving hard all our workers. You see, it was a custom back then to where when the leaders would have the Day of Atonement or a day, a national day of repentance, that they would also give their laborers the day off. But not at this point. They would even drive their laborers harder. They would continue to collect interest from them and not give them any any sort of relief. Now think about that. We who have been forgiven by God, these religious leaders of the day, knew that salvation was coming, knew or should have known that their sins would be forgiven but was still driving other people under them while they themselves were supposed to be giving up the physical In order to understand and know God better. In order to seek God's own heart. It didn't add up. Verse 4. Behold, pay attention to what I'm saying, the prophet is saying. Pay attention to the words of the Lord. You fast for contention. In other words you're having a quarreling contest. You're trying to see who fasts better. Allow that to enter your mind. Think about how that looks in our day and time. Is it too far stretch of our imaginations to see that some Christians think they're having better worship than another? Christian Church, and we take that and then we have some security in that. It's not too far-fetched in my mind. But I thought it was in the cross alone we're supposed to glory. This word, contention, the opposite of it is quietness. So in other words, instead of fasting and quietness and trust, it was a contest, a contest among the people. Not only with contention, but it also, and strife, and to strike with with the wicked fists. The word wicked there carries with it the idea of everything that's opposite from the character of God. So not only were we striving and having contests with each other with our fast, but our character and the things we're doing is everything opposite the character of God. Now, if fasting is someone seeking after God's own heart why would our character be opposite the one we're seeking after if we're truly fasting and so this is what Isaiah is saying to the people thus says the word of the Lord and he says you do not fast continuing in verse 4 you do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high and he poses some rhetorical questions in verse 5 Is it a fast like this which I choose? He's asking them a question. Is this the fast which I'm going to choose and say is pleasing to me? A day for a man to humble himself? But look at how they humbled themselves. He continues. Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? See, humbling oneself had become such an outward thing. It had become such a contest to try to see who could humble themselves more. And so if you're trying to see who could humble yourself more outwardly, you're so far from humbling yourself. But this can't be said of our external righteousness. We're examining the prophet's words concerning the fast that he was rebuking the people of Israel, but we have to keep coming back. How is my external righteousness fitting into this? And so that's the rhetorical question. People of Israel, people at the Church of South South Mountain, After you fast, after you do some sort of external righteousness, after God has careful consideration, do you think he's going to be pleased simply by outward appearances? And he ends verse 5 and says, will you call this a fast? will you call this something that's even acceptable to the Lord? The obvious answer is no. Will we really cry out and think that God would even accept any behavior like that? We teach our kids in that great story concerning King David of how when he was anointed king the prophet's message was that God looks at the heart but man looks at the outward appearance but yet so easy when we practice our righteousness we fall back into outward 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 and we never bring the heart we never bring the heart But in verse 6, the prophet and God points to the aim, the aim of fasting. And God puts it out there plainly for us. He says, is this not the fast which I choose? You want to know what's pleasing to me? You want to know after careful consideration what God would consider a delight to his soul? is to loosen the bonds of wickedness. When we're fasting, when we're worshiping, we shouldn't want to hold on to behavior that's opposite the character of God. We shouldn't want to support it in any way. To undo the bands of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free. And I love how plainly he make it in verse 7. The fast that's acceptable to God... Look at this. Is it not to divide your bread with hungry, with the hungry? Think about that. We're fasting. We're saying, Lord, I'm going to lay aside this physical food so I can seek after you. And God says, okay, that's the time when we should then take that physical food and share it with the hungry. Imagine that. I love high schoolers. This morning, one high schooler was cold, and the other high schooler had a jacket on. And so the high schooler with the jacket said, I would offer you my jacket, but I'm going to be cold also. And so we laughed about it, you know, and talked about it. But that's how we are in our flesh, man. That's how we are in our flesh. And look at this example. We're giving up our physical food, and God says, it's well-pleasing to me if we share it with the hungry. Not only that, and bring the homeless poor into the house. Bring those who don't have a home into your home. See, God just not concerned with us covering ourselves in ashes and on a bed of sackcloth simply for show. When we fast, here and what Israel was missing, that fasting is truly about humbling the heart, not just the outward appearance. Fasting should bring us closer to the character of God and further away from wickedness. And what's so hard and so tough is that all this work has to be done on the inside. That's what's so tough about this. As we turn back to Matthew, see the point? Here, Jesus has not given us all these details so that we could go around and say, Oh, that's a hypocrite. Oh, that's a hypocrite. No. He's given us these details so we can constantly look inward. Last time I read in Hebrews, it says it's the word of God that judges the heart. That does the dividing. So the aim continued in verse 17 of Matthew chapter six, but when we fast, we should anoint our head and wash our face. In other words, do the thing totally opposite that the hypocrites was doing. Jesus is not just meaning here, go from one external extreme to the other external extreme. He's saying people shouldn't even notice that we're fasting. Because it should be done in secret To God the Father. And I know the flesh gets our mind all messed up, but that doesn't mean we don't tell anyone we ever fast. Like, it, it doesn't mean all that silly things. We don't have to keep it top secret. But it just means from the heart, do it as if God is watching you and no one else. And by the way, as we fast or as we practice our righteousness, it should become clearer and clearer what God desires, what's well pleasing to Him. I was talking to a fellow Christian a couple months back about serving the Lord and doing things for the church and this Christian looked me square in the face and said they have to constantly remind themselves that while they're doing things at the church or for the church that they want to be doing it for Christ not for Pastor Knight not for any other ministry leader they constantly were reminding themselves in their heart that Man, I'm doing this for Christ. And it shocked me, man. It shocked me. But this is the same message here. The aim of our fast should be to know God. The aim of our fast, the aim of our righteousness should be to love God. More. So let's examine a couple of the fasting from the scripture. I mentioned earlier that Esther, Esther chapter 4, there was a fast going on that Queen Esther had called for for three days. And you know what she was facing? She was facing death because she was going to approach the king without being summoned. And if the king who was her husband wanted to, could sentence her to death. And she was going to approach the king on behalf of the Jews because some other guy, I forget his name right now, had come up with a plan to try to have the Jews murdered. And so as I was studying this and then I went back to examine all these facts, I'm like, she was facing death. You think she would want to get the words right approaching her husband, the king, who would have been just and right to kill her? You think she would want to seek God and say, God, give me the right words. You know my heart why I'm doing this, because we're being justly oppressed. This is a good one. Turn with me to Exodus. You got to see this one. Exodus. Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. Verse 18. And Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights without any food. And when he came down from the mountain... Many of us are familiar with this, but he wasn't covered in ashes, his face was glowing. And everybody knew something was different about this man, that this man had been in the presence of God, he didn't have any fake humble appearance on the outside. And I'm sorry, it was Exodus, I said 24, didn't I? It's Exodus 34. Exodus 34, verse 28. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat bread or drink water. And he wrote on the tablets, the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand and he was coming down from the mountain that Moses did not know the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him, meaning God. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. Another fast in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah. He was being chased. Jezebel wanted to have him slaughtered, just like all the other prophets. Turn there with me, 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. Verse 2, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. She wanted to kill him. Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life for I am not better than my father's. Verse 5, And he lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread of cake baked upon hot stones and a jar of water. Verse 7 says, The angel came a second time, and he ate a second time. Verse 8, So he rose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Herod, the mountain of God. I mean, can you imagine what he was thinking? And he ate in his sleep, the Bible here tells us. So you can clearly imagine, was it even real food, or was it the simple fact that he had been with God himself? A man coming to God and saying, God, it's enough. I'm tired of being rejected. People are seeking my head. Take my life now. And God says, not now. Matter of fact, after you've been with me, I'm gonna sing you for forty days and forty nights, and you're not gonna need to eat. And after that, he came back preaching. Thus says the word of the Lord. Last, King Jesus, Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. We've covered this earlier. So think about all these different fasting these. People were not trying to impress no one. Moses and Elijah was alone in the, in the wilderness. Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He then became hungry. You see, and it's easy for us to elevate Jesus, but people of the Jewish culture, they will elevate Moses. And so here God has put in his words plainly, Jesus fasted also. Why? Not so Moses can be raised up, not so that Elijah can be raised up, so we can see the point of our fast is to get to know Jesus. Jesus. After Jesus fasted, after he was tempted by the devil, guess what he went to do? He started preaching the gospel. This was God himself. Didn't waste time with any false shows of humility. But he went preaching the gospel saying, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's end here in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we'll end here. John chapter 6, and I think we'll pick it up in verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said to him, Time out. Jesus had just fed 5,000 men plus Okay? Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Verse 27, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. Jesus is not telling them not to go have a job. Okay? He's getting ready to have a play on words to get them, to get us to understand where our energy should be applied. They had just ate some good fish and bread. I don't know about you guys. My wife loves fish. I I don't have too much taste of it. But it was good. They were following Jesus. They wanted some more. And Jesus says, don't work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. And look at them, they're engaged with Jesus, they're listening, they're trying to work this out. They said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? You see, they wanted to do something. They wanted to apply energy, apply labor. Nothing's wrong with that. Jesus understood that about his audience and culture. They were hardworking people. Jesus answered and said to them in verse 29, This is the work of God, that you believe in him and whom he has sent. That's the work, church. So whether we're giving to the poor, whether we're praying, whether we're fasting, whether we're singing, whether we're doing any other type of worship of external righteousness, it should be helping us believe in the one whom God has sent. Because he's constantly under attack, not only by the world, but by our flesh. He's constantly under attack, the truth of God. Verse 30, they said therefore to him, What do you do for a son that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? He had just fed 5,000. Ain't that what the Bible says? But this is how we are. Just pointing out they were seeking Jesus still for earthly things. Verse 31. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Verse 32, Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven And gives life to the world. They said evermore to him. Lord give us this bread. We're interested. And Jesus said to them. I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. That's why we sing, brother, come just as you are. Hear God's Spirit calling us to come to Jesus. That we may live and never thirst again. I work for a food and beverage company. Gladly give it up any day just to know Jesus. And if you know me, any, anything about me, I'm always pushing my Gatorade. <laughs> but gladly give it up to know Jesus. Jesus said, but I say to you that you have seen me and still don't believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Church, we have to come to Jesus in all our righteousness. When people come and they want to redo something that we're doing, maybe they see how you pray in the morning. Maybe they see how you study scripture. That's okay, but point them to Jesus. Let them know it's not the prayer that you just said, the physical words but it's Jesus who you come to and he's changed your life. We want to make followers of Christ each and every one of us. Pray with me. And even now, Lord, I feel... Feel as though I haven't been clear. But God, I can still submit to you. Holy Spirit, you're greater than I am. You can make these words clear. Holy Spirit, you are the one who bring us to Jesus and constantly point us to Jesus. And Lord, if we find ourselves fast and whenever we do it, May we do it toward God the Father. Oh, Lord, help us now, even as we get ready to offer this song of worship, Lord, even as we get ready to do other good works which you've prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Lord, protect us from wanting to do it as a showy outward appearance. But, Lord, may we want to do it so that we can know you more. Lord, so that we can know you more and fall more and more in love with you. Indeed, God, to you belong the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. In Christ's name, amen.